You're listening to The Daily Weekly. In this episode, we will discover and analyze how college rankings are determined and why they matter. According to the 2024 U.S. News and World Report Best Colleges list, the University of Michigan is ranked third in public universities in the country for undergraduate education. U of M also moved up four spots from last year's placement, taking 21st overall among both private and public institutions on the rankings that were released September 18, 2023. Although these rankings for most universities are core analytics that detail the academic strength the school has, are they really that important to the students that attend these institutions? Stay tuned to find out. First, we are going to hear field audio from current students to get a variety of opinions on if they pay close attention to college rankings and if they have changed their mindset on how they view college rankings since being enrolled in the University of Michigan. This field audio was originally collected by executive editor Claire Jones and content creator Nora Conifer. Okay, so can we get your first and last name, year, and your major? My name is Marcus Budweg. I'm a freshman and I'm a double major in poli sci and economics. I'm Roxana Hayes, junior, history and sociology. Um, my first name is Melissa. My last name is Seaman. It's my first year at the University of Michigan, but I'm a first year grad student. My master's program is in movement science in the School of Kinesiology. I'm Ian Moore, uh, it's a year, uh, sophomore, uh, poli sci. Yeah, my name is Yaya Fofana. I'm a junior and I'm also an economics major. I'm Gloria Ravori. I am a senior in the School of Nursing. And did the UMass rankings impact your decision when you were applying to come here at all? <laughs> yeah, I definitely thought about it when applying. Um, to be honest, when picking what schools to apply to, I kind of just went for the things I wanted to major in mm-hmm. and scrolled down and picked like some off the list from like the top 25 or whatever. Um, but definitely also being from Michigan, like UMich was always a school I was going to apply to. I guess the ranking just kind of helped push my decision to come here. Um, I don't think it was like a big deal for me because I'm from Michigan. So like U of M was just like the best school for me, like in state. And so I don't think like it had a big impact on like my decision to come here. Yeah, Honestly, I didn't use like USA Today or like the news or anything like that. But like I know on the website, it's very informative, like U of M's personal website. Um, so USA Today News and stuff didn't really have an impact, but for its rankings, it definitely did have an impact, um, especially in my school, in the School of Kinesiology, because there's like all of U of M and then there's like school by school. It's ranked one of the absolute best in the nation, so that definitely had an impact on me deciding to come here. I mean, it was like the best public school on those rankings and the ones that were better I did apply to, um, but I got like... Berkeley, UCLA, like that. Um, no, definitely, like, I, I looked at those lists a lot, I think, which probably isn't the best thing, but. I'm not gonna lie, it definitely did impact it a little bit because at the end of the day, I did want to go to a pretty highly ranked school after putting in a lot of hard work in high school. So it definitely played in a pretty big factor in my uh, commitment to Michigan. Um, it did not impact my decision. Um, I just kind of had a good idea about the reputation of Michigan before that. I had not looked at it when deciding to come here. So Michigan currently is ranked 21 um, as the newest World News Report came out. Do you think that's like an accurate representation of where UMish kind of falls? Or do you think it should be higher, lower? What's your thought? I'm kind of surprised. Um, initially, I would think that it would be a little higher um, just based on what I hear people talk about here, like going here. But, um, you know, things are always changing. And I guess 
depending on like what they're asking for ranking wise like what's ranked specifically like is it student connection is it grades is it research you know taking all of that into account so kind of surprising but at the same time things are always changing so I mean I guess it's pretty accurate but like I haven't gone to any of these other schools that are ranked higher or lower so I can't really say for certain I don't really know but it seems pretty accurate given the reputation that I've heard about I think it's accurate I, honestly I think like a lot of people underestimate it sort of as opposed to like some of the the like big names that you hear just because of it's a really good school and just because of how big we are yeah, I'm a little surprised by that I thought we'd be probably higher like I'll say like at least top 15 but at the end of the day I think most of those rankings are pretty uh, subjective to those who rank it rather than off objective facts I am kind of surprised about it I feel like I'd expect it to be a little bit higher. Um, I think it's like a pretty good like ranking. I think it was like 24, 25 like when I applied. Um, and that like makes sense to me, like especially like I think it's great for like public universities to like get higher rankings too. Like I think that's important. Um, now that you're a student here, do you see why it's ranked 21? Do you think that the ranking matters now that you go here? Or do you think it's more something that is important for you once you applied to the school but didn't matter after you decided to come here? Now, I guess I don't really care about the rankings so much. Um, being here now, it's more just I'm here. Like, the ranking doesn't impact. Like, I don't think about, like, this is the whatever hardest program. I'm just kind of here and trying to get through the work and uh, adapt and survive, I guess, to college life. Um, I don't really, like, think about them. I see, like, a lot of, like, people who are applying to, like, college, like, get worried about, like, the schools they're applying to dropping in rankings. But I think, like, there's some schools that, like, it doesn't matter, like, what their ranking is. Like, they're always just going to be, like, known as, like, really good schools. And so, like, yeah, it's not something, like, I think about and I don't really get why, like, other people really think about it either. Do you think most people here have, like, an idea of how college rankings work? Or do you think it's more so that thing that people just rely on news sources to kind of understand where Michigan and other schools rank in comparison to like what's the best. But I feel like most people like a lot of people rely on it and like they look at it as something that's like valuable but they don't actually know what goes into it and like how it's calculated. I haven't the faintest clue how it works but uh, it would probably be actually good for people to understand how it works rather than just taking like U.S. News's opinion at face value. Uh, no, not really. Uh. Um, not really, but, um, yeah, I think it would be interesting to see how that breakdown works, though. Now that we have a variety of students' perspectives, let's listen to a professor's point of view about how school departments are ranked, according to the U.S. World Reports. Okay, my name is Andre Markovitz. I am the Carl W. Deutsch Collegiate Professor for Comparative Politics and German Studies, and I'm also an Arthur F. Thurnau Professor. I am in two departments, Department of Political Science and the Department of Germanic Languages and Literatures, 50-50 each, but I'm also associated in sociology. As a professor, how do you interact with rankings on a regular basis? Zero. But this is not to say that rankings aren't crucial or very important. What can you tell us about the history of university rankings? 
rankings exist since the early part of the 20th century with the creation of something called the AAU, the Association of American Universities uh, in 1900, of which the University of Michigan was a constitutive member. They started to look at their performance. What do you know about how rankings are calculated? It's a multitude of things. Number one, subjective. They actually ask deans, or in this case, let's say, the rank of political science departments. That's what I know. So typically, they write to 150 political science departments, and it's a reputational. So they ask them, please rank the top five departments. These are pretty close because these people are in the profession. So they ask 150, and by the way, I'm making this up, it might be 200, I don't know how many, but they ask them to rank the top 10 political science. And they look at it, and in the top 10 political science departments, there is a very high overlap of these 10. Reputational, crucial. And then they do all kinds of objective measures. What is the citation of the political science professor? How many PhDs they produce? Where does PhDs go? What money they raise? Outside grants, National Science Foundation grants, prestigious grants. What the publication record is? How many peer-reviewed articles or have they produced? And that's pretty much it. So that's how they, you measure typically departments, the, the quality of departments. And so this then creates a perpetuation in which, even though I hate it, these rankings do reflect a certain kind of reality, not an exact one. And so you actually can say, I think fairly, that Michigan in political science is in the top 10. No question. Is it seven? I have no idea. Is it four? I have no idea. This, I think, is completely haphazard and in some ways meaningless. But the top 10 over a period of 60 years, you could see that these departments are actually very solidly always together. So you can make a statement that the top 10 departments in political science are really these schools. And the top 10 departments in math are these schools. Do they offer a better education to student X? Absolutely not. So it's ultimately about reputation. It's ultimately about cultural capital. It's, it's, and that's very important in our lives. It's a form of bourgeois competitive culture. Ranking is all about performance or presumptive notion that we can measure performance. And it's very clear from the beginning on that it's not only a quantitative measure, that it's also a qualitative measure, that there's a qualitative dimension to it. But I think the first really interesting one for our purposes is Hayward Keniston in 1959, 1960. And the reason why this is important is because he ranks all 25 top graduate departments. Uh, belonging to the universities of the AAU. What is important here is that what is 1959? 1959 is two years after Sputnik. And this actually leads to modern American graduate schools. And so the Keniston study um, in 1959 is the first kind of post-Sputnik ranking study. And he makes it also very clear is that he has no idea what the difference is, the micro differences between five and four and three and one, nothing. Uh, but what we can say is that there are clusters. And what he actually writes in his study is that the third five cluster university is clearly not as good as the first cluster five university. 
And so that that is what, what these rankings kind of really tell us. How do you see rankings used in other areas of the university's ecosystem? Two important ranking studies that appear in 1966 and in 1970, uh, the so-called Carter Report of 1966, and then the Bruce-Anderson Report of 1970. And these are the first serious rankings of departments by universities and in order to look at their excellence in research and so on. In 1983, U.S. News and World Report enters the fray. This is a game changer because not only are they a major magazine, but they actually bring to bear methods of methodology of, of research that universities were not engaged in. I mean, the whole thing about marketing. And this is a game changer because it now translates rankings away from the performance or putative performance of doctoral departments or research and it now drifts into the whole notion of or alleged quality of undergraduate education. And by the early aughts, it becomes a huge thing all over the world. Everybody ranks. And then, of course, it becomes global. The London Times Higher Education Supplement annual rankings are crucial. The QS rankings are crucial. The Shanghai ranking, excuse And so the global ranking is really an institution of the last 23 years. What is important about the ranking is that they've become part of unspoken academic culture. So even though, as I started out telling you, that I never, ever talked about rankings to anybody, you know, it is in fact part of the, the thick description. It's part of daily life of universities. To administrators, they're crucial because they are a very good and I think very also problematic, but very good measure of output, a very good measure of performance. So to, to administrators, this is crucial, who then translate it to students to kind of tout the University of Michigan. And it creates a culture. It creates a uh, kind of a corporate identity. And this kind of creates a, a form of confidence. You wrote an article about college sports rivalries and how they are based on perceived institutional prestige. Can you please explain this in a little more detail? All rivals hate their rivals. I mean, they, that's normal. Rivalry is about hatred. But what I actually posited and looked at is that the hatred has directions. Do we hate up or do we hate down? And what the pattern shows is the following. They all hate each other, uh, but the higher ranked school completely has nothing but contempt for the lower ranked school. And the lower-ranked school has nothing but envy for the upper-ranked school. And so the rivalry is infused by, ultimately, the rankings. So what I'm arguing is that when we play Michigan State, it's not only about Michigan State, but in fact that they are ranked lower. The law school is lower than ours. Now, does every fan know this? Of course not. But in fact, the whole thick existence of rankings becomes part of student culture. So in fact, you go into these contests feeling culturally superior to your hated rivals, which means that they scorn for them, and they feel culturally inferior, and which means is an envy for us. Your article also connects back to U of M specifically. Can you talk a little more in depth about the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry and the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry? 
It's also brain and brawn. Typically, the one that is envied is associated with brain, basically nerds. To Michigan State, our right, we're nerds. It's exactly the opposite of what we see Michigan State as, okay? In other words, as it's all about brain and brawn. So there it's all about brawn. It's about the body. Uh, if you look at it all on Twitter, then click clearly our fans have, have contempt or scorn for Michigan State in terms of their intellectual abilities. And, and that's very common. Rankings are crucial in creating undergraduate student culture on a very different level from what it is that I described in the beginning in terms of departments. Clearly, the rivalry is for uh, Michigan to see itself as ultimately uh, better and higher ranked. I even heard the following statement after we lose and lose to Ohio State. Oh, well, um, yeah, I'm really upset, but hmm, I'm going to go into a better law school. You know, I will have a better chance in the labor market. Okay? I will get a better job. Meaning I'm higher ranked. So basically, the fact that Michigan is higher ranked than Ohio State is a form of comfort for Michigan students, not only comfort, but a form of, of elitism, scorning Mich Ohio State and um, Michigan State even more. What are the perceived values of rankings in society? Uh, talking about this thing about how the elite can actually dis can be really arrogant and be in because it is the elite. When Yale Law School decided that they don't want to be ranked, I completely started laughing. What arrogance. See, Yale Law School can do this because everybody knows I'm number one or number two or number three. Have Kansas State Law School do this. Then we're talking. Again, my argument is only the elite can allow itself not to be ranked because everyone knows it's very easy for Yale and Harvard or actually even Michigan Law School to say, hello, we're not ranked. This will not hurt them any to do this. And I don't think it will make any difference in terms of how rankings will continue to dominate the discourse of American higher education. It will not change that at all. One more point in time, Columbia University was uh, caught by one of its professors cheating in its input, and it was ranked number two. And so U.S. News and World Report punished it, and it went down to 19 or something. Did this hurt Columbia's application? Absolutely not. People still flock to Columbia because Columbia is Columbia, and it's been ranked for so long. So in fact, even though it fell from 2 to 19. It's ephemeral. It's, it doesn't matter. Although both students and Professor Markovitz's takes were very insightful in terms of a student and professional perspective in academia, we also wanted to hear from a graduate college administrator with the University of Michigan's Law School. This will allow us to gain an understanding of the vast differences in perspective that stem from having recently applied to grad school rather than being an undergraduate student or a full-blown professional. This interview was originally conducted by Sineha Dundapani. My name is Sarah Zirfas, and I'm the Dean of Admissions at the Law School. What are some of the ways that rankings, like those of U.S. News, can impact equity in the admissions process? Uh, I assume that the people who are being admitted, many of them will consider rankings, although not all. Uh, we do a survey of incoming students every year, and many of them say that they don't pay any attention to the rankings. What kind of data does the ABA provide? How does this compare with U.S. News? 
So for, you know, a long time, I've been doing this job almost a quarter century. And for a long time at the beginning of my job, the ABA collected data, but didn't make it public. And much of it was similar to what U.S. News collected, although with small differences often, but it wasn't public. And then sometime shortly after the Great Recession, uh, there was a lot of controversy about how schools would present their employment data. And the idea was that it was misleading. So the ABA started getting much more thorough in the kinds of employment data that they collected. And then in conjunction with that, started making it all public. And now there's just such a, an amazing wealth, a trove of information that the ABA makes available. And I'm, I'm sort of in love with this website, honestly, because I'm kind of a big data nerd, but it's called ABARequiredDisclosures.org, all run together. And I really think it's a just an amazing resource. Download different kinds of Excel spreadsheets showing all the law schools in the country, and you can compare them to each other in categories, you know, like admissions criteria, but also employment criteria and information about faculty, you name it, it's there. And I think it's, it's such a great resource. And it's really become, a, an, I think, an important, an important factor for people to look at when they are thinking about you know, making decisions about schools. How do law school rankings impact a school? Yeah, so there is, you know, until recently, a, a considerable part of the ranking result for U.S. news vis-a-vis -vis law schools has been admissions criteria, specifically median LSAT, median GPA, and the percent of people in your pool that you admit. So in theory, you could, in order, if you're a school who really is interested in rising in the rankings, you would perhaps do things to solicit applications from more people, people who you didn't want to admit. You might, I know of schools that have just stopped charging an application fee, for example, in the hope of um, rising in the rankings, getting more applications. I know uh, another thing you might do is pay, you know, undue attention to the LSAT and the GPA when you're admitting people so that you don't, that you're being too rigid, right? So the, a one point difference in an LSAT score has no statistically significant difference whatsoever in terms of what it's predicting. And it would be a misuse of the LSAT to, to make decisions based on one point, but the idea would be one point in the rankings makes a difference. So you might overly emphasize small differences in the LSAT uh, to the detriment of the actual quality of your student body. Same with GPA, right? Like no one thinks that a, a 0 0.01 difference in the GPA is meaningful, but if it is in the rankings, people might make decisions based on those tiny little sorts of differences. Have you observed any differences since the U of M Law School pulled out of rankings? I do. Yes, I, I do. I mean, there is a phrase in the law school world called top 14. And that, that phrase came because for many, many years until quite recently, the schools that were in the top 14, of which Michigan is one, never changed. They might move around within the top 14, but they were always the same 14 schools. And so they took it took, took on sort of a huge reputational weight. The idea was created in people's minds that this breakdown, this particular 14 was an important consideration. And, and you know, I, I just don't think that's completely rational. And there's, there's nothing magic about that. And, and we saw that because in the last three or four years, there was, were some changes with that sort of, uh, uh, you know, in the 12 to 
16 slots that some schools fell in and some schools fell out. So, but I do think it, as we're talking, an analogy occurs to me that I think is pretty solid, which is I said earlier that it's not rational and it's not good admissions practice to make a decision based on a one point difference in LSAT, right? Uh, That just would be misuse of the LSAT. And by the same token, I think it is poor decision-making on the part of a consumer to make a decision about where to go to law school based on a one-point difference in a ranking. But I know students feel compelled to do that. And so the rankings end up taking on a lot of weight. People defer their decision-making, if you will. Do you think that down the line, the University of Michigan not having a U.S. World News ranking will affect the law school? No. I mean, we just pulled out in the past year, as you probably know, schools are still being ranked. And our ranking actually was the same in providing data as it was when we didn't provide data. And it's, you know, the rankings actually didn't even come out this year until May. So it was after students would have had to make their decision about where they're attending law school. So it would be a little early for it to have had an effect. But, you know, and, and, and I should also say that two things went hand in glove. I didn't have a chance to look that up before we spoke today, uh, but rough, I'm going to say roughly 40 schools pulled out. And so that has one, that's one possible effect. And then the other is that the U.S. News changed their formula a lot. So that, that is another possible effect. And, and there, there's less information available now in them. So they will still rank. And, and there are lots of rankings out there that don't ask individual schools to go to the effort of compiling the data for them, which is essentially what U.S. News did. Like they made us do their work. And that is why we wanted to pull out. It was just an enormous amount of human resource time and energy every year to collect the data and make sure that it was accurate. They, but they'll still be ranking us. And I think that they will still have an effect. But I, my, my, my fond hope would be that because now they are on a level playing field with all other kinds of ranking instruments, that students will look beyond just one. And we'll look at other other surveys and other sorts of measures that perhaps align better with their particular interests and values. Do you think that the U.S. news rankings are missing anything specifically that causes them to overlook certain aspects of what makes a law school ranked better than others? I, I do. I mean, I, I think they included information that was problematic. They, they used to include the information about the amount we spent dollars per student, basically, right? But not all dollars counted. So for example, financial aid dollars were not part of what went into that particular metric. I think that was strange. They also never published that. So it was a huge underlying factor in the ranking, you know, but the person who was looking at the rankings never saw it and never understood that that was one of the the facts. So I think that was a a trouble part of, of their system. I think the fact that they don't include any information about the makeup of a student body, I don't know how you'd necessarily rank that. I don't know how you would attach a particular metric to, say, gender diversity or racial diversity. But to me, that's that's an important consideration. Students care about a lot when they're choosing school, and it's just not in there at all. Uh, I mean, I think the problem for me with the rankings fundamentally is both is not simply that they're not always including the information that I think they ought to include and that they include information that I think they would do better off not including. I think it's just sort of a flawed undertaking in general to say, 
here's a one, two, three, four ranking of a school based on subjective data, uh, you know, and I think that's just kind of problematic. What advice would you give prospective students trying to evaluate schools? What are some other ways students can evaluate schools as opposed to rankings? I think all information is good information. And so you should certainly be looking at it. But I would also say take it with a grain of salt, especially for law schools. People are choosing this path to get a certain kind of career, right? And so to me, looking at information about outcomes is particularly important when you're choosing a school. And if you look at the outcomes of any school, you will see sometimes chunks, right? So in the top schools, we all have very similar employment outcomes until you get to a particular level, and then they start looking different, and then they look different again, lower down in the rankings, right? And so I feel like it would make much more sense to view them as in chunks rather than in individual, you know, spots on a one, two, three kind of scale. Episode 4 of Season 15 of the Daily Weekly Podcast was produced by Executive Editors Claire Jones and Hannah Devereaux, Senior Content Producer Sineha Dandapani and Quinn Murphy, and Content Creators Edith Pindell, Isabella Acosta, Nora Conifar, and Amanda Pirani. The Daily's theme song is composed by Gibson Gillette Behrens. Thanks for tuning in.